0: to be with you today is it cold enough for you whoo my goodness isn't it i got in the car today even though it had been in the garage all night i got in the car it said minus 10 and uh, on the drive here this morning i think it got to minus 12. yowza that who would live in this country i mean seriously really you know cold and i think it's uh, a little warmer inside does anybody feel it's warmer than outside inside a little bit yes (laughs) it's getting there it's getting there Uh, but we trust that you'll feel good by the time we get to the end of the service today good to have you here we're going to turn in our bibles to exodus chapter 17 exodus chapter 17 and uh, sister wendy is going to come and lead us in our scripture reading this morning thank you wendy
1: okay we're starting at exodus 17 we're starting at verse 8. the amalekites came and attacked the israelites at rephidim moses said to joshua choose some of our men and go out to fight the amalekites tomorrow i will stand on top of the hill with the staff of god in my hands so joseph fought the amalekites as moses had ordered and moses aaron and her went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for that reading. I love some of these Old Testament stories. Accounts of what happened. And uh, we probably will deal with a few in my time here uh, with you in Stouffville. But this morning I want to share about this this amazing thing that happened in uh, the first battle that Israel faced. You'll remember as uh, you go back in the book of Exodus that in chapter 13 the children of Israel were finally released from captivity in Egypt they'd been there for a long time but they came to the place where finally God answered their prayers and with great pomp and ceremony they were released and they left Egypt on the way on their way to the land that God had promised he had something wonderful prepared for them you get to chapter 14 and on the way as they traveled you discover that they come to a a blockage at the Red Sea and in chapter 14 you read about the Red Sea being parted and they cross over on dry ground we might even talk about that another day and uh, the Egyptian army who's following along behind to come and take them back to captivity as slaves uh, are all drowned trapped as the waters come back in and then you continue through chapter 15 when you get to chapter 16 you discover that this whole nation of Israel that's on the way through the wilderness to the land of promise they get hungry they get hungry. I, I always take comfort in that. If they got hungry, I feel okay, right? Because I, I like to eat. Anybody else? Are you with me today? Amen. How I can tell. Most of you, I can tell. Uh, you're like me, you know. Uh, I, I always tell my wife, I'm, I believe I'm a full gospel preacher. Uh, so I'm, I'm in good company, you know. Uh, on the way, they get hungry. And God miraculously provides for all of them every day supernatural food. Manna from heaven. And at one time, quails, little uh, chickens that came from heaven, and, and they ate everything that they needed. And then when they needed water, you get to chapter 17, they, they, they wanted water. And, and God instructs Moses to find a certain rock and to and and strike the rock and water would flow and so they're all satisfied. And then we get to where we started reading with Wendy in verse 8. And when I read through that, I see there's a natural progression, an interesting progression, that happened in the children of Israel. They were released from captivity. On the way, they discovered that God supernaturally and with power could do things that they didn't understand before. He would make a way through the wilderness, but also through the Red Sea, where there seemed to be no way. He displayed His power when they needed food, when they needed water, when they needed anything, God, in their journey, as they started serving Him again, they would discover that God was more than capable to take care of all of their needs. Hallelujah. And you know, there's a great parallel that happens in our Christian lives as well. Because this is a reference, physically, to what spiritually takes, happen in, uh, takes place in all of our lives. We, as people, are set free from the captivity and the bondage of sin. Hallelujah. Through the blood of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross, we have been miraculously brought out of sin, out of captivity, and now we're on our journey to the things that God has promised and prepared for each and every one of us. What a joyful experience that is. But along the way we discover we have certain needs. There's things that we would like. There's parts of our lives that, that we need God's intervention and help with. And God always comes through. I love when being around people that have just come to discover God as their father. People that are new in their relationship with Jesus. Because I see God doing the same things. He shows his power. He provides for them. He, he, he does sometimes it seems like just little things. Not huge things but little things to show to us, to show to every single person in their personal journey with God that he's there. His power is available. He hears our prayers. He's involved in our lives. Same kind of thing. But then we get to verse 8. This is where we started to read this morning with Wendy. And what does it say? Then came Amalek to fight battle, to hurt the people of God. And you need to understand battles, problems, trials, persecution will come. You think, well, no, I, I, I've come to God. Everything's going to be wonderful from now. No problems, no issues. But as I read it from the children of Israel, they weren't far into the journey when they faced a battle. Then came Amalek to fight a battle, to attack them, to hurt them. And the same is true in our personal relationship with God, in our spiritual walk. You think, well, I got saved now. Jesus is on my side. My sins are forgiven. Everything's going to be wonderful. There's just going to be blessings. There going to be no more problems. In fact, a lot of people in the world figure that's why we're serving God, because we don't want any problems, because we think God's going to take care of all of our problems. But we discover along the way that problems come, attacks come, issues happen. But along the way, when a problem comes, we discover, just like the the nation of Israel, that in every circumstance, God doesn't abandon us. In fact, those trials, those problems, all of those issues serve to help us understand that we serve a God who's bigger than any issue, that can solve any problem. Nothing is impossible with Him. And He shows His power, and He brings us through, just like He did with the children of Israel. He looked after them. He cared for them. It's the same in our lives. So I want to share with you from this passage maybe four thoughts, four things that I I pick up here that it would be good for us to discuss this morning. The first thing, it says in verse 8, Then came Amalek to fight with Israel. Who were these Amalekites? The other day when we were reading in one of the prayer meetings, uh, Uh, Hilda read a verse where I I think there were all sorts of ites. Twenty ites. This ite and that ite and the next ite and Jebusite and Bagazite and, you know, and uh, They were all there. All the ites were there. Well, these were the Amalekites. Who were the Amalekites? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 36 and verse 12, you will discover that Amalek was the son that was born to Esau and one of his concubines. Not to his wife, and not to one of his wives, but to his concubine. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but doesn't a red flag go off there somewhere? Somewhere. If we're smart, we would observe and we would learn something there. Amalek, it tells us there, was a fierce, cruel, strong warrior. The Amalekites were vicious in their approach to other people. They were, the, they were ferocious against all of their foes. It comes from Amalek, the son of Esau, and yeah, right? And the thing that I think that bothers God the most when I read this story is that the Amalekites, this wasn't their territory. This wasn't their land. God had supernaturally, when he led them with the cloud in the daytime, in the pillar of fire by night, he led them around the Philistines' territory. He led them around other people's territory. Why? Because he didn't want them to be attacked. He didn't want them to get into into, into issues like that. So he led them around. They weren't in Amalekite territory, but the Amalekites went out of their way. To come and to attack the people of God, even though God was directing and helping them. And if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 25, Pastor Stefan's going to put it up so I can read it properly in the NIV. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 25, this is what it says. God says, remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt, when you were weary and worn. They met you on the journey and attacked all who were lagging behind because they had no fear of God. So it's not bad enough that they just attacked, that they went out of their way to attack. But what they did is that they went around and they found the ones that were weary and worn at the back, the stragglers, the ones that couldn't keep up, the people that were struggling. And that's where they attacked. And so God says, because of that, it's not just that they're attacking you, but they are saying to you and to me that they don't fear God, the God of Israel. We can attack, no problem. God was a, did you read that? God seemed to be a little agitated about the fact that this happened. And so God got involved. And you know what? That's just how the enemy continues to work. The enemy always comes along and he attacks. Even though God is leading you, even though God's got other plans, even though God takes you purposefully around all of the issues where you'll struggle, around the problems that you'll face, and even then, the old dirty slewfoot devil, you know what he'll do? He'll go out of his way to give you a hard time, to attack you. And you know what? He doesn't attack you front on. He doesn't attack you where you're the most strong. What does he do? He comes around and he finds where you're weak. And he finds when you're weary. Did you read it? When you're weary and worn. When you're struggling. When you're not feeling at your best. He comes and he finds the weak parts. And that's where the devil attacks. Just like the Amalekites. It's interesting to me. And it's very faith-helping to me. When I see that. Because when that happened, God said... I'm going to get involved. I'm not going to let that happen. The enemy might try to come along. The enemy try, might try to hurt you. The enemy might come to your Achilles heel or the parts that, you, that you're hurting in and the parts that are weak spots for you. Maybe when you're tired. Maybe when you're not uh, 100%. Maybe when you haven't got the support of all of the other people and you're feeling all alone. When the devil comes to attack you, God will fight the battle on our behalf. Hallelujah. 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 That's the thing that we need to understand from this important story. God is fighting for us. Hallelujah. He's on our side all of the time. And so we read what God says in verse 13 down to the end of verse 16. Because of that, I'm going to wipe out the history and the memory of the Amalekites from off the earth. How many of you have met any Amalekites lately? Anybody? You see? No, me either. You know why? Because they got wiped out. Because God wiped them all out. Hallelujah. Because God is a promise-keeping God. He does that. Now, we got a lot of other ites that uh, give us some grief. Uh, we, we, that, that's, that's true. But the Amalek, God was true to his word. God took it personally. He, they weren't just attacking God's people. They were attacking God himself. They had no fear of God. Now, before I move on to point two, the second thing that we need to discuss, there's something that, 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 that's worth noting here. Chapter 14, there's a, there's a few references. Chapter 14, Pastor Stephan, verse 10. It says there, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and they were, there were the Egyptians marching after them. They, they were facing the Red Sea. And they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. We love being slaves. We love getting beaten. We love being subjected to somebody else's will. We, We loved it. Didn't we tell you? Go on with me to the next passage, which is found in chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And then we read in chapter 17, let's go back to verse 2 of chapter 17. This is what it says So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? And then verse 7, sorry, verse 7. And he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? Do you notice a little pattern happening here? Do you notice what the people were doing? The King James uses the word that I, that, that's a good word. They murmured. Here it says they quarreled. They fought with Moses. The King James uses the word in all of those references. They murmured against Moses. It's Not good enough. We want more. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Why don't you listen to me? Why don't you do what I tell you to do? Why don't you supply all my needs? Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you? There's always that going on. And what does God say? When you're doing that, you're not just complaining and murmuring about the circumstances or about the people that you think that should do something about it. What you're really doing is you're saying, I don't think God's really looking after me. I don't think God's doing His job. Why isn't God doing what I want Him to do? Why doesn't God just... Give me what I want. Why doesn't God come to the party? Obviously God doesn't love me. Obviously God's not involved. What's God's problem? It's really what they were saying. That's murmuring. That's murmuring. You get to verse 8, after verse 7, and what does it say? And then came Amalek. When? Then. When was then? When they murmured and quarreled and complained now you see in our world today the world murmurs and fights against everybody in leadership that's what the world's way is as soon as you become a leader in anything it's open season Everybody feels they can express their opinion and say whatever they want about the person in leadership. That's the world's way. Try turning on TV. Try watching some of the late night TV and see how the people that are making millions of dollars to host those programs, they they just attack everything that's going on and everybody that's going on doing anything good. They quarrel. They murmur. That's what they do. That's the world's way. It's the world's way. And sometimes... Some of us, some of us allow the world's way to become our way. It's the way it's happening. So we bring it into our experience. We bring it not just out there in the world where we don't like the political leader or we don't like the economic leader or we don't like the town mayor or we don't like whoever's making any decision anyway. And we come into the church and we start to say what we think we can say. Because it's everywhere, because that's the way it is in the world today. And when we start to murmur against God and what God is doing, now we just, you know, we attack the pastor. We attack the board. We attack the people that, that, that are on the platform leading the worship. Why don't they sing songs that I like to sing? Why don't they just sing hymns that I know? You know, why is it so cold in the building? Can't they ever get the heat right in this place? And it's very easy for us to get that same kind of thing going because we see it all over the world. Let me tell you something. Murmuring is Satan's language. Murmuring is Satan's language. God does not want that to happen God wants us to speak words of faith hallelujah he wants us to speak in power he wants us to look to him he's our supply and you know what if you murmur and complain you're not hurting God you're hurting yourself because you're saying God isn't able God isn't able now, I would just like to have an altar call right now. For all. No, no, I'm not going to do that. But because we'd all be at the front, wouldn't we? We'd all be coming to say, oh, God, forgive me. But we need to be very, very careful that we don't allow the things of the world and the ways of the world to infiltrate our heart and our spirit so that we become that same way and we translate it over into our relationship with God. Murmuring is Satan's language. Verse 8, And then came Amalek. In other words, you might say, they brought it on themselves. Ouch. They brought it on themselves. Did God want them to be attacked? No, God had led them around. But they moaned and they complained and they murmured all the time. And as a result, something unfortunate happened. You know I love praying with people, I love being at the altar, I love I love when people call. I believe in the power of prayer, but you know what? Sometimes we bring some stuff on ourselves and we need to repent of who we are and how we deal with things and what we say and our attitude towards things. We are not of this world, folks. Don't let the world paint you with its brush and paint you into its corner. Let's allow when we come into the house of God, the Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus to wash us and cleanse us and make us pure, make our minds think like God wants us to think. Come on, I thought I'd get a stronger amen than that. Because it's the truth. It's the truth. Let me go on to point two. Point two. There are two types of fighting that I see in this account. Two types of fighting. Two types of service. You've got Joshua fighting, and you've got Moses fighting. You've got Joshua's service, and you've got Moses' kind of service. And so the attack comes. They're surrounded by these Amalekites. And Moses calls in Joshua and says, Joshua, tomorrow we've got to go to battle. This was their first fight. This was their first battle. This was their first confrontation. God had kept them from it. This was the first. So Moses says, Joshua, get all the army ready because tomorrow we're going to march out and we're going to fight. And Joshua says, gotcha. I'll get them all ready and tomorrow morning you're the leader. You'll lead us out and you'll lead us into battle. And Moses says, no, no, no. I didn't say that. He said, you get ready. You're going to lead the people out there and fight. And when you go out there... I'm going to take Aaron and her, and I'm going to go up onto that highest hill over there and I'm going to lift my hands up towards heaven and allow God to bring his power so that as you're fighting out in the field, we will see victory. You see, we need in every circumstance as we're serving God to have both kind of fighting, both kind of service. Because we're in a battle, there's warfare going on around us. When battles come, when troubles come, we need to have Joshua kind of fighting and we also need to have Moses kind of fighting. We need to have some people involved in Joshua kind of service, but we also need to have people involved in Moses kind of service. We need both because one without the other doesn't get the job done. It's not either or, it's both and. We need both kinds of things. And in our spiritual activity, we need to learn in our spiritual Christian lives what it is to to balance work and worship, prayer and service. There needs to be a balance. You can't have one and expect you to have victory. You've got to have both kind of things happen. Moses didn't call the people and say, Okay, everybody to the top of the mountain, let's all go pray. Because there was a battle to be fought. He prayed. He went to do his part. But at the same time, he made sure that through Joshua, he got the troops ready, he got the battle ready, they were ready to fight, and they went out and did what God needed them to do. And that's true wisdom, isn't it? Because the Bible tells us, faith without works is? It's dead. Faith without works. I got faith. The guy says in James, well, show me your faith. You can't show somebody out your faith unless you've got works, unless you're doing something. You can have all the faith you want. You can, do all, you can have a relationship with God. But unless there's works, unless there's a change in your life, unless you're doing something good for God... Jesus didn't just stay in heaven and pray and say, well, I hope those folks are going to be fine down there. No, he left heaven and he came in power and glory. He came and he went to the cross on our behalf. Faith with works, he got the job done. Because faith without works is dead. You can't have just prayer and you can't have just fighting. You can't have just work without worship. You need to have both. And in this story, I, I discovered that you've got to have both kind of things for it to happen. And there are some that are strong in in, in, in the works. Just let me gee, let me loose. I can hardly wait to get out there in the battle. You know, just come on, bring it on. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to fight. You know, just let, let's get a few more committees going in this church. Let's get some organization happening here. Let's make sure we've got all the parts in place. I'll just kind of roll up my sleeves and you know, thank God for people like that. But you know what? you've also got to have people that are going to say, we need to pray. I I thought I'd get a stronger amen, Sister Hilda. Come on. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We need people to pray. One of the greatest Christian soldiers of all time who'd been scarred by many a battle says, I wish and I desire that men everywhere would pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting men everywhere, that we would do that. And, and I, I remember a preacher many years ago that, that I heard, and he said, when I pray and I lift my hands, I take that literally and I say, I'm raising my hands. And I say, I'm raising my hands depending on God without wrath, without any of my human things getting in the way. Oh, you didn't answer my prayer. Oh, you're not looking. Why are you blessing them better more than you're blessing me? How come his church is bigger than my church? How come you're answering his prayers and not mine? Right? No, no. When we approach God, we come to Him without wrath, without any human emotion. We come to Him because He's God, without wrath and without doubting. Oh God, we believe in Jesus' name that you not only hear our prayers, but your word tells us and we we believe it. We've seen it in our experience that you answer our prayers. You've got better plans for us than I could ever imagine or think. And so I raise my hands, I pray, and I say with the Apostle Paul again, I wish that every person in Stovall Pentecostal Church would pray, hallelujah, lifting up holy hands towards God, saying, God, we're dependent upon you. God, we can't do it without you. God, we're not going to do it without you. You. without you there is no hope but we lift our hands saying oh god we don't have any anything against you maybe we don't understand maybe you didn't do all the things i wanted you to do there's no doubting in my heart no wrath but there's no doubt as well that you're god i lift my hands i'm dependent upon you oh god there's got to be that kind of fighting because without that kind of fighting the job doesn't get done we need joshua fighting but we also need moses fighting let me come to the third thing I want to discuss with you. Let me read verse 10 and verse 11 again. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. We've read that a couple of times. You'd probably understand it better if you saw it, wouldn't you? Are you visual people? Yeah. Would you? If only we had a Moses who we could get up here to, to help us. We could, uh, Shiloh, how about helping me today? Would you do that? Good, young, strong man. Look at that. Look at that. Wouldn't you like to be... How old are you? 16? No. 17? 12. 12! Yeah. Man, they're growing the big these days, aren't they? <laughs> wow! Stand there next to me. How can you be 12 and I'm a little over 50? And uh, uh, look how tall he is. Man. Okay. So just... Help me a little bit. Are you willing to be Moses today? Just just stand there. Look at the good people for a minute. Okay? And uh, here we go. Hallelujah. Isn't that a beautiful staff? Thank you, Pastor Lori. There we go. Okay, there we go. You see? What did Moses do? Moses went to the top of the hill, and he held out his hands with the, with the rod of God in his left hand, apparently. Uh, and uh, as he was holding it up, as he was holding his hands up, Out there in the battlefield, what was happening? They were winning. They were winning the battle. But every time his hands went down, 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 they went down, they went right down, all the way to the bottom, what happened? They were out there losing. So Moses had to keep his hands up, right? All the way up. You see, him keeping his hands up. And there's Moses standing on the top of the hill the whole time, right? What did we read there? What made the difference in the battle? What was the most important thing that happened in the battle? Was it how good Joshua was out there fighting? Was it how many men Joshua had out there fighting? Was it how good their weapons were while they were out there fighting? Was it their plan of attack? Was it all of the strategy and all of the, the, the committee work they'd put into it that got the job done out there? No! No! The difference, the catalyst, was the man of God raising his hands towards heaven and showing that he was dependent upon God. Dependent upon God. That he was saying, we have to have Joshua fighting, but the important part, the part that makes the difference is the Moses fighting. Every time Moses held up his hands towards heaven, they were winning. But if the heavenward aspect isn't happening, if we start to fail in our relationship with God, if we aren't focused on the things that God wants to do, we will start losing. In fact, we will get beaten. And you know what? I need to explain this to you. It's not just that we... Did the Maple Leafs win or lose last night? Oh. But you know what? You think ah well is it, it, it how many is it 84 games in the season something like that so, so long you're going to lose a couple even if it's to boston which we hate to do but it's it's okay we'll win the next one right it's no problem because the maple Leafs lose the odd one i don't know if you would known when it gets to the playoffs we, we're good at losing we just know how to lose right We'll get them next year, don't worry, hallelujah. Come on, let's just draft a few better players. Come on, you remain a Leafs fan, blue and white forever in Jesus' name, right? But we're not just talking about Moses having his hands up and, oh, we're having a bad day out there and we lost one, well, we'll get them tomorrow. People were dying down there. People were getting killed down there. People were being slaughtered down there. So he had to keep his hands up, even if he's changing hands every once in a while. It's okay. You've got to keep your hands up because when you keep your hands up, we're winning. But when the hands go down, we're going to start losing. Now, every commentator I read said when Moses was holding his hands up with the rod of God, his staff, but that's the rod of God that he used in all the things against Pharaoh. That's the rod of God that he held out over the Red Sea. That was the rod of God that he struck the rock and water came out. It signified God was doing something, right? And every commentator I read said that when Moses... How are you doing, Moses? Good, good. Yep. good. <laughs> Moses held his hands up. It was an act of prayer. Yeah. Now, you know what? I almost hate even in church to say that. Because when we say prayer, we say, oh, yeah, prayer. Heard that before, prayer, yeah. But you know what it was? It was a sign that he was depending upon heaven. That he was open to God. That he was saying, God, our dependency is upon you. We may have some strength. We may have some strategy. But we can't do it without you. You are our source. You're our supply. You need to be on our side. Why? Because the battle is yours. We're just your people called by your name. And so when he's raising up his hands, he wasn't just standing there looking down at the newspaper saying, oh, isn't that a shame the Leafs lost last night? Oh, man. Oh, I just feel so badly about that. No, it's a dependency upon God. We call that prayer because it's a sign that we're communicating with God. I'm so sorry that we get it sort of you know, put into a little thing here where we call it prayer. Well, I'm not really a person of prayer. Well, I don't like to go to prayer meetings. You know, we, we, we do that. What we're saying is that it's a sign of dependency upon God. We're saying, God, our attention is upon you. Think about it. Think about it. Seven billion people in the world and little old me is able to come right into the presence of almighty God all the time, anytime and say, Oh God, I need you. Please help me. Come and fight my battles. Come and be on my side. I get to do that all of the time. It's amazing. It's amazing. And as long as Shiloh was holding up those arms, how you doing, bud? Are you doing okay? okay. Well, you know what, let, i tell you what, let's go to the next point. Let's go to the next point. Good. You'll be happy about that, won't you? Point four. Point four. The term is teamwork, okay? You'll discover, you'll discover, let me help you. You'll discover that when you're the person that's bringing down the power of God, when you're the person that God is using to bless other people, You'll get a little tired. Yeah. How old are you? Uh, twelve. Twelve. Oh man, to be twelve again. Well, maybe not. Uh, you got teenage years. Oh hallelujah! God bless so close. Lisa and right. Good. You know what? When you say you're going to step into that place, sometimes the burden starts to get to you. Sometimes you start to hurt. Sometimes, even though you think you're strong, when you hold up your hands and you're trusting in God you start to take the hit am i right (laughs) so what do you do what do you do Well, you read it there god said you know what i'm going to give you two people to help you aaron and her you know when i came to this church god gave me an aaron and a her next to me i got pastor stefan and pastor lori i got him and her holding up my arms hallelujah (laughs) it's awesome right so what did they do they said we can't let you take a break. Well, just give me half an hour. Let me just rest for half an hour. I'll be good. We said, we can't do that because people are getting killed out there. So what did they do? They said, let's get a stone. If only we had a stone. And let's get Aaron and her. Mom and dad, come on. Lisa and, and, and Everton, come and help us here. Come and, come and hold up these arms. Aren't you glad for mom and dad? Right about You've never been happier for mom and dad than you, than you are at this moment. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. Thank God for a good mom and dad. There you go. One arm, one arm and each and it says that while they were doing that, they w- if only we could find a stone around here. If we just had a stone, let's get a stone we can get him to sit on because those legs are starting to hurt already. There you go. They sat him on the stone. And Mom and Dad, hold up those arms, Mom and Dad. You feeling better, buddy? Yep. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And as long as his arms were up, and as long as when the people were out there fighting, they'd look over, they had a visual representation. Oh, look at Moses. He's up there on the top of the mountain. He's all, God is on a. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. Hallelujah. You know what? I didn't tell the worship team what to sing today. I didn't phone them this week and say, you know what? I'm going to be preaching about the battle is the Lord's. But what was the second song we sang today? The When I Fight. I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you. Every... Well, let's stop there, yeah, because you got to remember all the words without it being on the screen anymore. It almost seemed to me, as I was standing on the front pew this morning, that God spoke to the worship leader's heart. Aren't you glad for Carly? And aren't you glad for Stephanie? Aren't you glad for Vic? Aren't you glad for the Laird boys? Aren't you glad for Steve? Aren't you glad for... You know Why? Because they've got to hear from God as much as the preachers got to hear from God. And you know, I could call them in the week and say to them, here's what I'm preaching about, why don't you get all those songs? But I've learned that God does it better than I can do it. Because it gives me a sense that God is involved. I didn't ask them to sing that today. They could have sung one of a thousand songs today, right? Well, what did they sing? They sang today, thank you, Carly, thank you today. Why? They sang, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, oh God. You know there's something significant that happens when you lift your hands to God. You come into church and you don't know what it's about, but you see the people around you lifting their hands to God. What is it saying? Well, you know, some days I come into church and I've had a bad week and I just don't feel like praying. I just don't feel God's there. Something happens when you lift your hands to God. Even though you've had a bad week and you've faced trials and you've had some Amalekites. Anybody had any Amalekites in your week? They come and they're giving you grief, right? You come into church and you lift your hands and say, Oh, God, it doesn't matter what's out there, the circumstances, the issues. My faith and my trust is in you in Jesus' name. I'm going to walk in faith and believe that you are a God who fights my battles, who goes with me, who helps me, that never lets me down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's something wonderful that happens that as we're worshiping the Lord that you can stand there and you can lift your hands to God. Something happens in your spirit, folks, when you open your mouth and you worship the Lord and you get your whole body involved and you lift your hands and you're saying, Oh God, you're the, you're the treasure of my life. You're the most precious thing. I love you. I can't live without you. I won't live without you. I've don't want. i experienced your goodness. I've tasted And I've seen that you are good. You're a good God. all the time. You're faithful. I love you so much in spite of all the stuff that's going on. It's a wonderful thing. We don't need the pastors to whip you and to tell you to do that. We just need to come in and say, oh God, what a joy. What a privilege to come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you feeling okay now, Shala? Much better, right? Why? Because you can't do it on your own. Now you can try and it'll last for a while. But after a little while, when you're a solo flyer, when you're the Lone Ranger, when you're the man or the woman of God and you know, you're know you the only one that hears from God, you'll start to get a little weak and a little tired. And I don't know about you, but I've discovered that when I get a little weary and worn, I do stupid stuff. Any, any amens out there? Just poke the person next to you and say, I think he's talking about you. <laughs> right? It's what we do it's what we do so what does God say you know what it's okay to have a team around you it's okay to have other people who will lift up your arms when you're weary because God doesn't say oh no if you don't do it on your own it's not going to happen no he says as long as your hands are up mom and dad this is awesome this is awesome that mom and dad are praying along with their son they want the best for this boy We are concerned that the devil is out there and got plans for this boy. But we know that God is a good father. Hallelujah. He's got good plans for Shiloh. He's going to fulfill his purpose in Shiloh. We hold up his hands. And as a team, we say, Oh God, let your glory come. Let him be in relationship with you. Is he going to have some problems? Unfortunately so. Is he going to have some bad days? Are there going to be times when he, he, he does something he shouldn't do? That's why God brings other people around. That's why He gives an Aaron and a Her. That's why He gives us a Stefan and a Lori. That's why He says, come on, teamwork. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Because in team, if a team's working together, we can still see the blessing of God. Hallelujah. You know what? We can have the best pastors. We can have the best board We can have the best deacons. We can have the best sound people. We can have the best Sunday school teachers, all of that. But if we don't have people that'll pray, if we don't have people that are looking to heaven, calling down the power of God, we're going to get beaten. We're going to get beaten up. So we need to pray. Thank you, Moses. You did a great job. God bless you. Let me take that from you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Mom and Dad. That's okay. Leave that there. That's good. Beautiful, thank you When you see Charlotte later just give him a little rub will you just give him a little good job Charlotte? Thank you very much. I knew if I did that I'd be dead after about a minute, right? I'd, I'd, I'd be walking home like this, you know kind of like I'd you know i probably never be able to use my I'd be going around like this my you know What made the difference? The team the team Notice that when the battle started, Moses didn't say to everybody, let's all go to the mountain to pray. How many were on the mountaintop? At least three, but not many more, maybe. Maybe only three. How many down in the battlefield? Thousands, lots, right? You know I've discovered that that's probably the way it is in prayer. The people that pray the people that seek the face of God, the people that bring down the presence and the power of God in any circumstance and probably in any church are relatively few. Not the majority. I wish it was. I don't fully understand it. When we have a prayer meeting on Sunday, you know what? This church has got prayer people. It's got prayer warriors I, I need to tell you that i've been in a few churches this this church is equipped with people that know what i'm talking about a number of them now comparatively that number is few compared to the majority when we said we were going to have a prayer meeting on sunday night we had a few more than we normally have but we didn't have nearly as many as this when we said we were going to have a prayer meeting on wednesday night man that was a good prayer meeting that was a good prayer meeting on Wednesday night. That was, that was awesome. And you know what? You are going to feel the effects of last Sunday night and last Wednesday night in this church. You're going to feel the effects of people who've got their hands towards God every Sunday night. They're going to meet again here Sunday night. I'm not going to be here with them, but there's going to be a prayer team led by one of our ladies that's going to be praying tonight and every Sunday night. Thank God. Thank God for people who know what it is to pray. They may be few, maybe not so few in this church. But we're doing that. But comparatively, few. Still the same everywhere you go. But without those people, we can have all of the committees. We can get all of the things organized. We can make all the plans we want. We can reorganize. We can shuffle all the chairs as many as you, times as you want on the deck of the Titanic, no problem. But unless you've got people that are in touch with heaven, calling down God, thank God for the prayer people you've got in this church. Thank God for them. Thank God for them. Because without them, we're going to get beaten up. It takes a team. It takes a team of people. It's it's that way in every facet of life. When I go home this afternoon, I'm going to turn on some football, hallelujah. Because the Buffalo Bills are playing this afternoon. Now, I probably won't get the first half. But you know what I've noticed about a football team? One guy doesn't run out to take the other team on. You've got to have a team. Now, you can have a great quarterback. You know what? You can even have the best quarterback that's ever lived, the goat of all quarterbacks. But he can't win it on his own. Ask him. He's had a, he's had a, he's had a good year. <laughs> Poor old Tom, right? You've got to have the defensive players. You've got to have the wide receivers. You've got to have the linemen there. Otherwise, you're going to get smushed, right? You've got to have a team. That's the only way it works. We can have Austin Matthews on our team, and he can score 60 goals. That's why we won the Sandy Cup last year. We didn't win it last year? We had the best scorer. How? Because you've got to have a team. You've got to have a whole team. You have to have goalies as well, right? Do You know what? It's that way in marriage. God said, in marriage, it's good that a man finds a wife. Because if he finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Therefore, a man shall leave his mother, and a woman shall leave her home, And the two shall become one flesh because when two become one something wonderful happens the bible says that if two of you agree you know one of the greatest powerful things that we have is husband and wife agreeing in jesus name because every marriage that happens where jesus is acknowledged where two agree in jesus name there is power let me tell everton and lisa that in jesus name there's power in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I can, I, can, I can attest to it with my mom sitting on the front pew here today. That's the way it is. There's got to be a team. One of the things the devil is trying to do is to try to break up that team. So now we've got single people trying to raise a family. It's not God's plan. God's best is that you've got a man and a woman. That's the way it is. That's the only pronouns that there are in Jesus' name. And if they'll do it God's way and Jesus gets involved, strong marriages, strong families, strong homes, we will have a strong nation in Jesus' name. It's that way in everything. It's that way in everything. You've got to have a team of people that are going to work together. Let me just conclude with this before we pray. Moses stood with his hands held high, lifted up towards heaven, calling upon God, For God, not just in name to be their God, but for God to come and fight and win the battle. And what a battle they won. Because God is fighting the battle. Hallelujah. Do you remember another person in the Bible whose arms were outstretched towards heaven? Who stood between us and God with his arms held out saying, O God, not my will, but yours be done. Unless you come, unless you save us, we're getting beaten up badly by the devil. But Jesus stood in that place with his hands spread wide open towards heaven. And through him, if we look to him, if we acknowledge Him, if we trust Him, if we put our faith in Him, if we allow His death on the cross to become ours for our sin and we can become children of God, God fights the battle for us. God is on our side. We're called by His names. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes for a moment and let's pray. Before we pray, collectively and before I pray for the issues that maybe are yours let me just ask some of you are here today and you've been getting beaten up out there maybe because you aren't committed to God maybe because you aren't asking God to be on your side maybe because you're doing the best you can struggling on your own and in Jesus name today I want to say to you God wants to fight the battle for you. God wants to give you victory. God wants you to be full of life. He's got good plans for you. How many today would just lift your hand to show me, yes, pastor, please pray for me. I want to be closer to God. I want to reach out to God today. Would you just lift your hand, show it to me today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's probably all of us, isn't it? We're all saying, oh God, we need you on our side. Thank you that you're not just in heaven afar off God, but that through Jesus you've come close. You've brought us close. We belong to you. And so I want to pray for all of you that have lifted your hands before we pray for something else. Heavenly Father, see our cry, see our hearts, see our hands as we lift them to you. We are dependent upon you. We know that the world is speaking powerfully and loudly and trying to influence what we say what we do how we live but our focus is upon you today we lift our hearts and we lift our our hands towards you and say you are our god you're the one that controls us you're the one that's in control of our lives you're the one that makes the difference and as long as we are in connection with you we will have victory there will be joy there will be good things that will flow And we come against all of the attack of the enemy. We come against all the things that he wants to hurt us in. We we, we stand and we call upon you today, Heavenly Father. We want to be your children. We want to draw near to you. Thank you that you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin so that I could come back into relationship with you. And I receive Jesus today to wash all of my past to wash me and to cleanse me and to set me free today and to bring me into that place where as I'm focused on you, you will work in my life. You will be involved. You will help me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, as well as on Sunday. You'll be there. I pray that everyone that walks out of the doors, depending on you and looking to you throughout this week, will see the evidence of your presence Thank God for your presence. Thank God for your power in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to pray. Keep your eyes closed. Keep your heads bowed. I want to pray for all of us today. I want to pray for all of us today. We all are saying, oh God, the battle belongs to you. God, I'm involved in warfare. There's times when I think everything's going good, but the devil is out there to attack. There's problems that'll come along. And in the midst of that, I want to keep my eyes focused on you in Jesus' name in jesus name and so i want to pray for all of us all of us today heavenly father thank you that we can come to you all the time at any time thank you that your door is open hallelujah thank you that we can come right into the very throne room you're seated on the throne of heaven and you're there interceding Jesus for us, believing for us. God is on our side. You've shown that to us over and over again in your word. And today we say, Lord, forgive us for the times when we try and live in our own strength. We have to be involved. We have to do, but we do it depending upon you. We do it in your strength. We do it with your help. We ask you to get involved in a fresh and a new way in every single one of our lives. Help us tomorrow when we go to school in Jesus' name. Go with us to school, I pray in Jesus' name. Help us when we go into that place of work. Help us when we go into the community in the grocery store. Help us, oh God, that wherever we go, that we will be your hands and your feet, that we will go and be salt and light in this community in Jesus' name. We will see the evidence of your power working through us, that no weapon of any enemy formed against us will prosper and hurt us. We will be people of God that will see your power displayed in Jesus' name. I receive that today and I say thank you for it thank you for helping me thank you for being with me thank you for being my God today in Jesus name in Jesus name amen 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 hallelujah how you feel better than when you came in that should happen when you come to church right you don't have to feel good to come to church nice to feel good but you know what you should feel good going out why because God is with you. Because when you go, you're not on your own. Hallelujah. It's good news. It, why would you not want to serve God? Why would you not want to let God be? So let me just encourage you all week long. Get together with your partner. Pray before you go to work. Hold their hand. Let's believe God's going to be on our side. When you go to school, when you go to work, as you're driving in your car, worship the Lord. Call upon him. Turn your heart and your, and your mind towards heaven. Bring him into your experience. And let's see the good things that God is going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go and have a great week. God bless you. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.